Little World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Raven, and I'm very glad you're joining me again today. Today will be a discussion of a new narrative for our species. Wow, what could that be? Well, it better be a good one if we're all going to make it through this last tangle with our environment. Yeah, indeed. We have been fooling around and tooling and toying around with our environment rather significantly for a few centuries now, most significantly since the advent of the Industrial Revolution. And that revolution has us revolving now in circles, spinning a bit like a top, because the industrial waste that was not accounted for back in the mid-1800s has been accumulating in one way or another, aggregating to, to the extent that today we have such an issue with air pollution, water pollution, soil pollution, that we can hardly think straight. Ah, yes, how could I have forgotten? Psychic pollution. And we're suffering as a society, really across the planet at this point, from these various forms of pollution and contamination. With the growth of chemical compounds, with the chemical industry, so to the point now we have hundreds of thousands of different chemicals, one variation or another, all variations on a theme, we are putting a form of the water and the soil to such an extent we cannot begin to account for the effects. In fact, we are seeing the effects, and the effects are mounting into something we've referred to variously as global warming, greenhouse gases, and coming together as climate change. Now, granted, we do know that the Earth is in constant state of change. The ancient Chinese told us of that long ago. People even before the Chinese knew it to be true. Literally, by the moment the Earth is changing, the weather patterns are changing, the sun and the moon and the stars are all in shifts. Everything is in circulation. However, even amidst this kind of reality, the changes tend to be rather subtle and the climate remains rather stable from one day to the next, one month to the next, and seasonally, of course, we have the radicalness of those, the differences between the height of summer, for instance, and the depth of winter and the death of winter. It's set up that way, and we know that we can expect such radical, it's fair to say, changes. And they are sweeping, and they are expected and predictable within a certain, you know, uh, regions of our, of our dear, beautiful, precious planet. But what we're dealing with today, folks, 
as we all really do know, that there has been a type of change based on the accrual of contamination, as I said, really even pre-industrial age, but that's where it really got the kickstart. And from then until now, we are dealing with such extreme changes to our environment that are anthropogenic that we really cannot, with all of our advanced mathematics and computer modeling, account for the changes. And we no longer have accurate means to predict what our hearts and souls do, and they say, shit, we are in trouble. We are truly in trouble. If you recall, those of you who listen with some regularity, an interview I did with a woman named psychotherapist named Carolyn Baker a few months back, uh, collapsing institutions and collapsing ecosystems. And there was no shying away from it. There was just looking head on at the subject. And that narrative is not a pretty one. And we know it to be so. We know that uh, in Greenland and Iceland, the uh, amount of melt is so severe that polar bears no longer have ice to walk on and to fish from. You know, everything is different. The polar ice caps are also in serious meltdown. Uh, Methane gas has been released because of the melting um, in uh, deep packs of ice that have been there for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years in northern Siberia. Now, due to melting, meaning increasing temperatures, these methane uh, plumes are getting released into our atmosphere. Now, we also know that these methane plumes are much more dangerous. I mean, something like, if I'm not mistaken, and if you know the specifics, please guide me, 70 to 100 times more severe a greenhouse gas, a CO2 release, than from fossil fuels. Now, we all don't want fossil fuels fouling our air any longer. That's for sure. However, if we have uncovered other sources of CO2 emissions that are so extreme, there's no way that our current uh, trees and bushes and plants can absorb it. We're dealing with a serious overload, an excess, as we say in Chinese medicine, of such an extreme. There really is, uh, there's really no balancing it out. No, not at this point. There's there would have to be some rather, any of us quite know what that would be, short of, uh, you know, the hand of God <laughs> reaching down and spanking human beings and saying, plug this up, folks. Stop the fossil fuels and even stop eating the meat, uh, the, uh, you know, the agribusiness, um, cattle farm mass 
basis because that methane release, as well as those occurring, as I mentioned, in Siberia and elsewhere, but that's the one I know of primarily, are so severe, you've passed a tipping point. You've tipped my beautiful planet out of balance. And what it may do is flip you out of existence. That's what we're really looking at. <clears throat> now, it's really hard for we humans to really cognize that. So we go into varying levels of denial about it because it's, it's you know, are we really doing this as a collective? I mean, are we really digging our own uh, ditch to the extent that we will not be able to survive it? Or if there is a survival from it, uh, rather minuscule in comparison to the population we currently have, well, it's pretty obvious that we're not going to get through this as a collective currently. I mean, we've got literally millions of climate Gs right now in April of 2016. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And the news coverage will not identify um, what are climate refugees and distinguish them from what we're calling political refugees. <clears throat> because it's just that way. I mean, it's the subject is, no pun intended, too hot, too heated to call it by its right name. So they do the dance around it, you know, the rhetorical dance around the truth, which they're very, very good at, mainstream media. That's its, uh, its specialty, its high-level skill. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at a situation in which... Uh, we are witnessing and partaking of eyes of life on the planet as we know it. And that's not a story we really want to tell. There are many other powerful stories we'd way rather hear and way rather tell. And, of course, that's very much what I wanted to uh, bring forward today. But I want to bring a couple of other points out that can be found uh even on NASA's own website, one called uh, climatenasa.gov, if you want to look it up yourself directly. And it says, you know, climate change, global climate change, has already had observable effects on the environment. Ah, uh, yes, we've noticed. Glaciers have shrunk. Ice on rivers and lakes is breaking up earlier. Plant and animal ranges have shifted, and trees are flowering sooner. Effects that scientists had predicted in the past would result from global climate change are now occurring. Loss of sea ice, accelerated, accelerated sea level rise, and longer, more intense heat waves. Taken as a whole, the range of published evidence indicates that the net damage costs of climate change are likely to be significant and to increase over time. Oh, boy, is that gently put. That's from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This is a very, very diluted 
sabotage. Scientists have high confidence that global temperatures will continue to rise for decades to come, largely due to greenhouse gases produced by human activities. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that is the IP. Which includes more than 1,300 scientists from the United States and other countries, forecasts a temperature rise of two and a half to 10 degrees Fahrenheit over the next century. 10 degrees. You know about 350.org, right? Well, this is so far beyond that. It is so far beyond. According to the IPCC, the extent of climate change effects on individual regions will vary over time, and with the ability of different societal and environmental systems to mitigate or adapt to change. The IPCC predicts that increases in global mean temperature of less than 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 1 to 3 degrees Celsius, above 1990 levels will produce beneficial impacts in some regions and harmful ones in others. Net annual costs will increase over time as global temperatures increase. Taken as a whole, the IPCC states, the range of published evidence indicates that the net damage costs of climate change are likely to be significant and increase over time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just putting it so, so, so mildly. But I don't want to freak everybody out. I've been privy to much more devastating uh, types of reportage that would, uh, you know, sort of... uh, make us want to uh, do a a jig on Jupiter. You know, it's uh, just insane what we have done to our dear precious Gaia. Uh, Let me add this. So, just this kind of sets a bit of a context. One degree of difference. The Earth's average temperature has increased about one degree Fahrenheit during the 20th century. What's the big deal, you may ask? Well, One degree may sound like a small amount, but it's an unusual event in our planet's recent history. Earth's climate record, preserved in tree rings, ice cores, and coral reefs, shows that the global average temperature is stable over long periods of time. Furthermore, small changes in temperature correspond to enormous changes in the environment. For example, At the end of the last ice age, when the northeast United States, excuse me, was covered by more than 3,000 feet of ice, average temperatures were only 5 to 9 degrees cooler than today. So we are looking at a situation that is born out of a level of ignorance, i.e. a lack of education, combined with a rather refined education and a severe indifference, disengagement, and preference for me, as in the me generation, continues on into the 21st century. We thought that it was, excuse me, back in the Reagan days. No, we were wrong. 
models were incorrect yet again. The me generation continues. And indeed, thankfully, there are some breakages in that ice pattern. <laughs> and uh, a little warmth where it's needed has has warmed the hearts of more than it has been in the past, recent past, that is. And people are beginning to experience a greater sense of compassion for each other, for understanding each other's plights, because there are so many people now who are economically and environmentally and socially devastated, victimized in many ways by the current conditions <clears throat> that are a result of a of a an economic system run wild, run amok. And it's really out of control. I mean, it's just out of control. Those ideologues who bother to say that capitalism is the way, like any ism is the way of any sort, be it capitalism or communism or socialism or Marxism or uh, libertarianism or any ism is just foolish for that matter. It's just missing the larger picture as well as the smaller of looking simply at facts, looking also, that's on the hard side and on the soft side, looking at what works for building a social organization of people, of our species, in such a way that people can pay into something like taxes or some such as that and be provided for to some basic extent, which is the entire reason of having a system of governance at all, that people be provided for in some fashion when the chips are down you know, and to keep roads and infrastructure uh, in a sustainable condition so that life may thrive, not just in economic structure, but for all life, culture to thrive. That's our game here. We're, I will dare say, here to play, to enjoy, to create, to be curious, to adventure, as far as I understand the development of our brain systems and our mind, imagination, curiosity, play, challenge, sport, art, creativity on all levels, in all dimensions, is really our wheelhouse to development, the discovery of the wheel, the discovery of zero. <clears throat> all of these are part of of the human cultural gifts that we are bringing forward. The only thing is, it seems like it comes with a lot of baggage. It seems like it comes with people who just keep thinking about themselves and at any expense will engage in business that will hurt hundreds, thousands, and even millions of people without blinking an eyelash without blinking an eyelash. And when we talk about narratives, my friends, this is one I 
dare say we want to change. We want to go from telling a story about human beings as selfish, unconscious, and greedy, thinking about themselves at the expense of others, that if there were two, say, uh, Venusians talking to each other and saying, yeah, you know, I visited Earth one day uh, many moons ago, ho, 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 and they were a happy, joyful lot. They were quick to communicate, quick to smile and embrace, very helpful to each other, and to even us, strangers to their planet, we Venusians. Yep, we arrived. We could hardly speak any of their languages. We did a lot of head nodding and smiling ourselves. We extended our hands and our various um, extensions, and they were able to read, based on their high level of intuition and intelligence, that we were looking to say hello. So, honestly, we were very impressed impressed with their virtue, with their patience, with their kindness, with their lovingness, with their compassion, with their uh, generosity. I would recommend human beings be promoted to the highest level of their human and perhaps even divine potential. That's the way I experienced human beings on planet Earth. Narrative. The current narrative, of course, being those human beings. They have such a gorgeous blue-green planet. Wherever we went, we were stepping in sludge, dirt, the water was fouled, the air was difficult to breathe, the food was all chemicalized, had no flavor. We remember what it used to taste like in the days of the Garden of Eve, of Eden. <laughs> Just having some fun here. Oh my God, that fruit was unbelievable. Those apples, oh, I could have an orchard. But now... I don't know. There are a couple of companies out there that started messing around with the genes. They have what's called GMO'd apples these days and carrots and even fish. And there's no flavor. They seem to last forever. But there's no nutrition. What kind of exchange is that? What kind of trade-off is occurring there? Is that what we want? We also noticed that there were, God, I think we saw about 6 billion people. We noticed that there are approximately, I don't know, maybe 100 million that are leading lives of relative comfort, security, and prosperity. Approximately, give or take, the rest in what we would call severe, abnormal poverty. Not only do they not have enough food, they don't even have enough drinking water, unpolluted drinking water, that is. And the so-
soil isn't fertile enough to even grow their own food. Not to mention, almost all of the seeds are owned by the very same companies that have modified, genetically modified their food. It's almost as though a handful of these things called corporations are controlling the entire planet's food supply with, you know, some exceptions, but not a whole lot on a relative scale. So, our report to our council here in this section, excuse me, of our beautiful and harmonious universe, development on planet Earth, they have not passed the grade. They have not cut muster. Why? They're not treating each other well. They've made this thing they refer to as money, which is just a bunch of paper, and sometimes it's just a bunch of digits on a computer screen, we noticed. Way more important than the living blood and flesh of human life. And not just human, non-human as well. In fact, all sentient life was jeopardized by the activities of just a few that then subjugated the work of many millions and hundreds of millions of people and more to their dictates and to their will. It's a subjugation of will. Now, I remember that Earth was a free will zone. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And as a result of it being a free will zone in our precious corner of the universe, these folks are supposed to do as they see fit according to the higher frequency of their hearts and souls. Isn't that the way we design the whole game? Yeah. Indeed it is. Yet, they have taken the bidding of their heart and soul and have subjugated them subordinated them to the will of this relatively small handful of people who walk around with puffed out chests and uh, often wearing clothing making them look a bit like penguins and they are the ones who as we say in Venusian vernacular call the shots (laughs) now this is not a story we here wanted to tell. The impression from many thousands of years ago that things were going a whole lot better down there on Earth than what we can report here in April of 2016. We have noticed the temperatures have risen uh, frighteningly, and it's jeopardizing. It's a scorched Earth situation. It's it's drying up vast swaths of land that have become infertile and ungrowable. There is a diminishing amount of water supply, even though we've always known it in this corner of the universe to be the water planet. How could you take its most precious element and destroy it in so short a period of time? So, we want to help these human beings write a new story author a 
new a new chapter in their development, in their evolution. Left to themselves, oh boy, oh boy, it's not looking so good. But in all, it really does need to be said that there are a number of groups and organizations and even for-profit companies that are making tremendous strides in restoring the quality and fertility of the earth, in restoring the quality and vitality of the water, of cleaning and cleansing, refreshing the air so it becomes a joy to breathe. And these people are so dedicated to a happy outcome of keeping each other alive. It's like to the extent that a small handful of people are doing virtually as much damage as they can in the name of being in service, ironically enough, doing extraordinary things, actions, caring actions, intent to heal, is so great that it looks like, folks, they are going to overcome all of the negativity and lack of virtue that that very small handful of humans created. Oh, look, I can't tell you that I know the outcome, like know it in my heart and soul. Dumb what I'm seeing, there is a shift taking place And I like what I see, fellow Venusians. I like what I see. Are they going to be able to get their climate change issues under control before they truly spin out? I can't tell you as much as I'd like to be able to tell you. I don't know for sure, but I can tell you this. I read a couple of books. I saw a bunch of movies. They call them movies. It's on celluloid. It's a very interesting virtual reality kind of holographic phenomenon that they gather in these places referred to as theaters and cinemas. And they turn off the lights and they stare at one side of the room, which all of a sudden is dancing with light and images as well as sound. Some music as well. Sitting in that room laughs and sometimes they cry. They're usually rather quiet. Sometimes at the end they clap. It's a really interesting condition and uh, situation. That honestly, we went to a number of these things called movies and we enjoyed ourselves a lot. And we even found one with homemade popcorn, which is something they just love to eat while watching those movies. Anyway, I'll tell you, in seeing what I've seen and having read, one of the books I read was called Blessed Unrest 
in English by a gentleman, another of those humans in an area called America, named Paul Hawken, who makes a rather strong case for the changes that are taking place, describes this vast group of people as a superpower, an currently invisible superpower, under the radar, they say, that are doing this group extraordinary things around the damage that has been caused in just a few hundred years by really a rather select few relative to the overall population. Now, you would think it would be a whole lot easier to sort of control these people, you know, put them in what they call a prison and something like that, a detention center, and just kind of quiet down their activity because it's just a few people relatively, not a whole lot, and wouldn't cost that much to actually keep them detained and feed them. (laughs) You know, it's not that much. But for any number of reasons, it actually hasn't yet happened. That notwithstanding, we did notice that so many good things are happening in all continents on the planet, all continents. People are treating each other with love, with respect, with a fair hand, an even hand, with kindness, with joy, and they are partnering together to make the world a better place. I can't tell you what joy that brought and we feel that good is really coming from all of this activity. So, what can I say? This is what we're looking at, and this is the new narrative we are helping to write for these earthlings. Yeah, we see them as our brother and our sister. Yes. So, we are supporting them multidimensionally as best we can, without being found out, that is, and we engage all of you, brother and sister Venusians and galactic members, to join with us at this very precipitous, difficult point of time, this difficult, challenging passage, this point in their cycle where (laughs) the future is a bit for grabs, but all want to see them pull through with minimum damage to their ecosystem and tremendous spiritual gain for themselves personally, where they learn to identify with universal principles far beyond their own little egoic sense of me or I. And I have a feeling that this is really happening. I really do, and so does my fellow Venusian that was down visiting with me, and uh, can't tell you for sure, but we're voting for him, and along that line, there's a particular man in the voting cycle, the presidential cycle, they call it, in the United States of America, said to be the wealthiest country of them all. We didn't have full, full understanding of why they call it that, because we saw lots of poverty 
and lots of uh, unhappiness. So whatever they were calling wealth wasn't obvious to us. They had a lot of big cars, a lot of big houses, but we also saw millions of people, including children, going to bed hungry every night. So we were very confused when they said they were the richest nation in the world. We just didn't have the full evidence of that. It looked rather deprived like many others. The roads and the bridges and the tunnels and the water lines were a little iffy. We were not. In fact, we looked at their balance sheet. We had the opportunity, and it looked like they were so much in debt to so many other countries, especially one on the very opposite side of the planet named China. We couldn't quite figure out what they were calling wealthy. We were sure they weren't spiritually wealthy because there were too many actions by too many people that were what we would call here on Venus impoverished. They were not virtuous actions. They were not loving actions. They were mediocre to negative. Too much. Yet, we did observe in every single landmass, every region of every country on every continent, there were people who were no pun intended, stellar, just stellar, of our own, made from our own special Venusian cloth. We would be welcoming and proud to have them as members of our community. Of contrast, my dear friends, and the balance is a little teetering, but the good is so good. The love is so deep. The beauty created so marvelous. It would be devastating to think that the entire planet's human species would not make it through. So therefore, I am asking all of you to help Put Bernie Sanders, who is the only presidential candidate that we saw, who has a sense of equity and justice, who wants fair play for all, become elected. Oh, yes, there are others running. Yeah, they're running all right. I don't know on what basis they seem like they want to simply perpetuate the same old, same old story that's been running all along president, they call it, in that country called the wealthiest, and he were to have as his running mate, they call it, a kind of a substitute president, Uh, they refer to the name as vice president, of a woman, a doctor no less, yes, a doctor from one of their most noble of institutions of higher learning, known as Harvard University, and her name is Dr. Very dignified, Jill Stein, and she is well. Actually, both of them are of a uh, certain bloodline that is considered to be rather exalted on the planet overall. Wow, that could really help to change the energy, my friends, to all elevate it, to uplift it, 
to shift it from me to we. Now, it's interesting in their language that the letters look virtually the same. The M, the first letter of me, upside down, you end up with the first letter of the other bigger, better word, we. It's sort of like it's so close. It's sort of like the shift could be done so easily with the flip of a letter. Not even two letters, but one. How difficult could that be? So if people start thinking like we, we are going to all have a different section of our beautiful and glorious solar system. And Earth will be right along with the rest of us in harmony with the galactic center. Yeah, astronomers, geologists, and others who recognize what we refer to as a galactic center, it's not even a complete mystery to all of them. There are those who really know. Some of them know through outer observation. Some know from inner. It's remarkable, as I say, the human species is a study in contrast. And paradoxes, if I may remind you all again. So, yes, there are those people running for this hallowed office. And the only reason I'm talking about this is because they say this one country and this one office has so much control and power. I I don't know if it's true, but this is what they say down there. I'm quoting, if they are right if they are even just partially right, we might be on to something, folks. This somewhat elderly gentleman also has accrued a certain level of intelligence and wisdom, and he's got wisdom of the heart, where he wants to see balance among people. He wants to see people have a fair chance at thriving, not just the few called rich and wealthy. He wants to see that for everyone, of every gender, of every color, of every creed across the nation. And I have a feeling he wants to see that across the world. He's going to start in his own backyard, understandably. But the sentiment doesn't stop by some kind of artificial boundary, and he darn well knows it. The heart doesn't work by boundary. He knows that too. And who might be his running mate, which would be absolutely marvelous from our point of view, would be Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party. Oh my. She, as a woman, embodied the embodies the feminine, the quality. She's a doctor. She appreciates health and healing. She knows about wellness. She knows about caring. And she has a very sharp mind and has developed a series of systems and procedures that, if followed, could lead to and support a well 
non-humans, but even the earth herself would be supported in rebalancing herself, all the ecosystems, so that more deluges, more severe out all of the pollution and contamination and excess of what they call down there greenhouse gases. It would not be needed because she would be uh, advising and ensuring that specific measures are taking place that would actually enjoy the power of our beautiful sun, that would enjoy the power of our wind, that would enjoy the power in our water currents, that would enjoy the power and energy just below our surface and what they call geothermal energy. Yeah, this woman is smart. She understands the options to those types of energy production that generate pollution and that seem to engage those powerful, selfish people, greedy people that we understand is just a pathology. It's an illness that they do not even recognize themselves. And they are suffering. And they are causing the suffering of others. So she, like Bernie, like us, and like really so many people there on planet Earth, turned this around and author a new narrative wherein the people succeed and the people everywhere thrive in good health, in happiness, in virtue, in integrity, in laughter, in creativity, in cultural expressions that continue on and on and make the entirety of our beautiful universe proud to have such sentient life on that very beautiful blue-green planet called Earth. So, my friends, such could be a new narrative for us here on Earth. Doesn't that sound good? It's on a theme. And email them to me at mjr at abetterworld.net. I would gladly share some of them upon receipt. mjr at abetterworld.net. After all, we're all storytellers. I'm just doing it here for us all, if you will, painting a certain picture of hope. And uh, just yesterday, my colleague and dear friend, Kurt Johnson, invited me to uh, speak on a panel on altruism. There were three panels of the day uh, based on the book uh, by uh, David Sloan Wilson, professor, brilliant scholar, wonderful thinker, and man. Uh, We were all gathered at the Society for Ethical Culture here on the Upper West Side of New York City for uh, the taping of these panels and a very rich sharing among very caring, thoughtful, reflective human beings, some of them involved directly 
in different kinds of spiritual practices, meditation practices, others who are scholars and professors and working still with Qing and educating, that is, leading out of people their higher nature, their higher thought, their higher wisdom. And among all of that was a lovely, lovely Sikh named Mahan Rishi, who, when he was speaking on the panel, said, I am very, very hopeful. I feel so encouraged by what I see going on on our beautiful planet. I paraphrase. I feel we are going to be getting through this because I feel so optimistic about what I see as the changes taking place. Oh, I know that there are so many more to take place. I am not confused about that one bit. But the energy and the momentum of what is going forward is so great. Let's keep going, friends. Let's keep moving, pressing forward with love, with intelligence, with sensibility, really reshape our society, reprioritize our values, and create a renewable, refreshing, and sustainable worldview and society with all of its mechanisms so that we can all not just survive, but thrive. So, honestly, it's so heartening. I added a little bit. I hope you don't mind. Um, Mahan Rishi. Uh, but that was the gist of where he was going with this. And indeed, I embroidered, but it was the direction he was focusing us on and into. And many of us were doing similar. But I just loved the radiance in his eyes and his being as he spoke this optimism. And that's what it's about, my friends. We're, 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 you could say, staring the devil in the eye. Right now, we, and what has been caused and created on planet Earth, uh, it is up to us to see soberly what we have created, what is actually going on, what, no matter how we may feel, we are participating by dint of being part of the society. We do use plastic, for instance. You know, we do uh, age in daily activities that are harmful, just taking a taxi, you know. And so we can't just criticize ourselves for this. It doesn't do any constructive good. But to see what we're doing and then to move ourselves on track by speaking to our brothers and sisters and moving us onto another track, another frequency, where we can begin step-by-step, day-by-day, choice-by-choice, dollar-by-dollar, turning this around. And we can if we stay together collectively. On local levels, everything doesn't have to be global, although it will have global effects. Living locally, thinking universally, okay? That's what I like to say. (laughs) Act locally, think universally. They say globally, but I I, want to go beyond that. 
So that's what we're looking at. I want to remind you that you are listening to Mitchell J. Rabin on A Better World Radio. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that is. We also are on community television here in New York City, in Manhattan, and at www.abetterworld.tv. It's free, and if you join us, you will see who our guests will be on both the radio and television, or what the subject will be, as today, the new narrative, a new narrative, I should say, on our planet and our species, because we're in trouble, my friends. We're, uh, you know, we're in trouble here in River City, and uh, it's just, it's not to be taken lightly, and yet, we have to take it lightly enough to actually kind of get down to business and not be scared away. On that note, I want to let you all know that I will be co-facilitating an event, a symposium, a free symposium, on April 30th, Saturday afternoon, April 30th, uh, here in New York City, in Brooklyn, actually. And you are all invited. Well, maybe not all of you. <laughs> well, no, you're all invited. Uh, we can accommodate about 100. So whoever the first 100 are can get a seat. And uh, for that, just simply go to abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, and the link will be there for the April 30th event. And uh, the Pachamama Alliance was started in around 1994. Uh, It's a robust organization, a nonprofit, that is committed to a shift on our planet It's called Awakening the Dreamer. It's about bringing about an education uh, to form a socially just and spiritually meaningful, environmentally clean society and planet. So if those things are important to you, then truly come on by. Become part of the solution. It's an education that everybody really honestly at this point in time my friends needs this is this is no longer sort of an option we need to really get educated about what we have done where we stand today and what it is we can do otherwise oh, this is not a time for passivity it is not a time for lethargy it is not a time for laxness it is a time for movement Now, some of that movement is internal, truly. It has to do with creating coherence inside our brain, inside our heart, and mental activity, imagination, to help to begin to shape our brain in a way that will operate on a new operating level so that we will cease to do the damage and embrace the types of greed-based, selfish gene types of values that have brought us here in large measure. And to shift to uh, from a me to a we, from an I, 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 to a we and an us, and let's go for it as essentially a brotherhood and a sisterhood. And there's plenty for all. I mean, there's just plenty for all. Plenty of education for all, too. So on that note, I really want to just uh, reiterate 
that if you know anyone in the New York area, uh, you know, anywhere in the tri-state, quadra-state area, please send them to a abetterworld.tv to participate in this free, free symposium. Yes, we ask for donations, but that is just a donation, and that is just if you choose to. It is a free event, and we really do want people, all of you, to come. Now, there are such events across the country and the world. There are, Pachamama Alliance is in about 86, 87 countries. It's been translated, this, the whole kind of symposium, into, gee, about, I don't know, 16 to 20 languages, something of that sort. It's remarkable, and I'm inviting you to be part of it. Now, on a smaller scale, I run a workshop every other week in Manhattan called A Better World and Heaven on Earth Workshop. It's essentially a salon. We get together and we do some ancient Chinese forms of exercise called Qigong. We exercise, we physically move, we breathe, energy body, our energy system. We work with stress and we reduce it. And then we engage in dealing with the most challenging issues of our lives. And we seek to find solutions to what is usually causing a lot of stress, which is usually our interpersonal relationships with our bosses at work, with our spouses at home, or our children, or our parents. This is where people live, folks. You know that. We all live in our families, and we all live in our workplaces. We live in both, sometimes in our religious or spiritual communities as well. And we get along with some people. We may even get along well with a lot of people. But then there are others where things need to go well for lots of reasons, for creating peace and harmony on earth, and they're not going well, and people do not have the resources to change the conversations. They actually have the resources, but not the know-how. And this workshop provides some of that know-how, and it's been wildly effective in just literally dozens, and at this point in time, after doing this for some 30 years, uh, literally hundreds of people's lives who have taken these classes with me um, in different places in the United States, and I've taught elsewhere abroad as well. So if you need this kind of thing for your area, your community, or your company, certainly you can contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net or you can come to one of our classes here in New York City. The next one will be on abetterworld.tv. For more information on the work I do as a consultant, certainly you can go to www.mitchellrabin.com. That's Mitchell with two L's. And Rabin, as in Arabin, R-A-B-I-N dot com. So I just so appreciate your attention and your sharing this with your friends and your colleagues and your family. It's a wake-up call, folks. It's a new narrative. We've painted it together. Let's live it together. A Better World is also a foundation. 
It's a nonprofit, a 501c3. So if you are so inspired to make a donation, small, medium, or large, please do so. And you can do that by contacting me at mjr at abetterworld.net. If it's a smaller donation for under, say, really $100, you can do that at our donate button on our website. It's PayPal. Just I ask you to do family and friends so they don't hit us up for too much and uh, their commission, whereas we are a nonprofit, so we uh, can be um, engaged through PayPal through the family and friends through which they do not take their peace. And we can get ours so we can continue to bring you programming of another level and spread out to more corners of the planet. So I want to just thank you all again. Also know that if you are anywhere in the New York or Boston areas uh, next week and this uh, coming weekend, On the website is reference to Bruno Gruning, who is a very special healer, born in 1906, passed in 1959. But the community of friends continues, the Circle of Friends community, uh, is offering free events, both in the Boston area, Hadley, etc., and right smack in the middle of Midtown Manhattan, New York City, on Monday, April 18th. And you are welcome. Information for all and RSVP, etc., is on the website at abetterworld.tv. And just beneath that is a Better World workshop where I ask you to RSVP as well. For that, there is a fee of $40 per hour at all just to put out. Just let me know, and I always work things out with people. Okay, so that's the show for today. I am very grateful for your attention and pass the word around. As Jesse Jackson said, Reverend Jesse Jackson, we may have all taken different boats here, but we're all in the same boat now. So let's act together in cooperation and coordination and evolve our species to its next level. Let's become butterflies and really do the right thing. Thanks so much, Mitchell J. Rabin, for A Better World. I look forward to seeing you all 